Welcome to the Knox Soccer Podcast, where we tell the soccer stories of our favorite big town, little city, Knoxville, Tennessee. I'm Patrick Teasdale. And I'm Brian Canever. And today we are talking to Mark McKeever, current one Knoxville head soccer coach, and also the defending reigning USL League 2 national champion and coach of the year. I'm really excited to get into this one, Patty. So crack open your favorite beer, slip on your favorite jersey, and get ready for the feast of football for the ears. Brian, how are we starting this one off? Like Mario Goat say to break Argentinian hearts in the 2014 World Cup final. My heart is still broken, by the way. I'm going to score this one in double overtime. Let's do this bad boy. This is the Canucks Soccer Podcast. Obviously, the first conversation was with uh, Drew McKenna, and um, uh, Drew had reached out just to kind of um, uh, let me know about his interest and the fact that uh, I was a candidate on their radar and that they would like to speak. So from that point, we, we set up uh, we set up a phone call, and um, yeah, he gave me he gave me the rundown of the the plans for the club and the dream that pulled me in was the 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 ability and the opportunity to to create a legacy within a city that doesn't you know that there's no soccer legacy in Knoxville so you know to be the first to kind of put that stamp on it is something that just really excited me um you know the fact that it is a startup club and it can be our stamp from the very beginning is something that uh yeah it, it drew me in so um yeah, they, when he presented the plans for the club, um, obviously USL2 is, has been part of my life for the last seven years, so I feel very uh, very comfortable with that. But leaving, leaving the team that was the current national champions, it, it had to be something that was really, really exciting. So it was a compilation of the city, the possibility to create a legacy, um, something that's new and, and we could call our own. And uh, yeah, just to create something special. Um, the, the other part is obviously, you know, I'm, I'm living in North Georgia, so it's two hours up the road as opposed to driving two days across the country to get to my destination. You know, my previous destinations were Mississippi, which was a seven and a half hour drive time. And then, you know, Des Moines is 13 hour drive time. So the ability to uh, to move only a couple of hours up the road for the summer. And and then obviously, you know, the, the prospect of the USL one was the icing on the cake, obviously. That's, you know, it's, it'd be the next level in, in my career, the next level for me, the next challenge. And so I've been doing college now for, I've been a head coach now for 17 years. I've been doing, you know, the USL2 for seven summers. So I think uh, I think I'm stable in those environments and the opportunity to come out my, my comfort zone a little bit and test myself. And like I say, try to create a legacy in the city forever, special. So really excited. Okay, so uh, you, talk, you talk about the legacy. Um, what does that mean for you? Is it something that can embed itself in the culture of the city, or what, does it mean something else? Yeah, I, I think you're. I think you're on the money there with that statement. Um, uh, to to be embedded in the city, but not not just in you know five years time, but like in in twenty five years time, I, I would love for the people in Knoxville to be talking about how the how this team started and, you know, the, the direction it came in and who was responsible for taking it in that hopefully really positive direction. Uh, I guess time will tell. Um, but also, yeah, the, the legacy, part of the legacy is creating the identity. I think it's something that, that is missing 
in many cities across America. You know, for example, I coach young kids and go my, my little academy team. I'll go into that academy team and say, "Who's your favorite player? What's your favorite team?" Uh, and I hear Barcelona, Man United, Juventus, uh, whatever. Like you know, and then we play World Cup. What team do you want to be? Oh yeah, I want to be Spain. I want to be Brazil. I want to be Argentina. I want to be you know Italy. And it's like, why don't you want to be the United States? You know, and and why are you not supporting your pro teams here in this country? That's where your identity's got to start. So then it's okay. Uh, for example, um, the, the people in Oxville, I want these people in Oxville to, to identify their soccer interest with uh, one Knoxville. That that would be my dream to say, which team do you support? And straight off the bat, the kids say one Knoxville. Then you say, okay, you know, which player do you like? I would like that for to be a one Knoxville player. And then they can branch into the EPLs and the, the you know, the uh, Serie A's and whatever, like, you know. So I think creating a, an identity within the city is something that really, really excites me. I'd like to pull as many people in to create the biggest, strongest culture that's ever existed. How long did you sign on for? Do you plan on living here in Knoxville during the time that you're here? Or will you be commuting every week? What I will say is I would love the opportunity to be in Knoxville until uh, 24 at the very, very least. Um, hopefully for a lot longer on, the, on that. And I would love to you know, live my life in Knoxville and build a base in Knoxville for as long as I can see. As I, can see. You know, I don't, I don't want to come uh, to, to build a base to move on to anything else. You know, when I go somewhere, I want to stay there for a long time, like I say, to build that legacy, to create an identity. And you don't do that in a season or two seasons or three seasons. It's done over decades. So, you know, um, I could see myself long term there if the, you know, if I was fortunate enough to succeed and uh, be accepted, then yeah, I would I would find that opportunity wonderful to to, to build a base in Knoxville. At, at least what they're telling us, like their their goal is to win USL two this year. I wouldn't be there if we didn't expect to win USL two. So okay. every time you go in, uh, you know, whether I go into the college season or the USL two season, the, the, the ultimate goal is all obviously to be a national champion. You know, I was fortunate enough to do it with Des Moines this past year. But yeah, with the college, um, I've been in the, the Sweet 16, I think, six in the last seven years. And we've not we've been in the quarterfinals twice, but been unable to pass by playoff football is, you know, there's never a guarantee. Not always the best team wins, but... We want, we want to certainly go along that pathway to create that as one of our goals. It's not going to be the only goal, but it's obviously going to be the biggest. And, you know, it's, it's going to be the one that hopefully is the common goal between myself and Drew and the players and the, the people in the city, the supporters. You know, we, we, we want to give them something to, to reach and something to, to aim towards and have a co common goal with the, the coaching staff and the players and the ownership group. So, yeah. Yeah, why not? Why not? So... Having having spent more time in USL two than than anybody here in the city, can you kind of paint a picture for me of the landscape that one Knoxville's entering into? What people can expect when the first season kicks off? Completely different landscape from where I've been in the, the previous two clubs. Um, I think the biggest difference between that landscape is the, the just the geography of the uh, the layout of the teams. Um, you know, I think the shortest distance we would drive at Des Moines Menace would be three and a half hours. Every game would be an overnight stay. And and now we're coming into the, uh, the and this new conference down here in the south and it's, it's all driving distances. Uh, so 
in terms of the quality, I think that we could actually be involved in one of the toughest divisions in the country uh, this this next year. You know, obviously, Phantoms are established as a playoff team. Tormenta were in the final four. Uh, they've been in the fi final four two uh, the last three years. So Tormenta are also a, a USL one club. They also have the, the USL one titles there as well. So um, Asheville, I think, will be really strong this year. East Atlanta were in the playoffs. Um, you have the the Red Wolves who are affiliated with USL One as well, so it, it's exciting. Uh, uh, Nashville are coming into the mix this this year as well, so obviously Nashville is a big soccer city. Has the MLS title in there as well, so I think it's uh yeah, I think the league's evolving, but I think this division has probably evolved this year more than any other division in the country, and I feel as though it's going to be the most competitive in the country. So. It's, it's exciting. It's a new challenge for me, obviously, a new dynamic. So uh, I'm excited about that. I'm excited not to to have to travel, you know, seven hours to a game, play, and then get back at four o'clock in the morning and five o'clock in the morning, which can be really, really tough if you're doing it back to back <laughs> through the summer. So yeah. Um, how, how many games is it in the in the regular season? So you have seven seven home and seven away before you go into playoffs. Um, last year that was different it's different in different divisions just again because of the geography and the, the layout of some of the some of the divisions but uh yeah ours will be seven home and seven away 14 in total how do you get into the playoffs i think uh the usl2 is a different kind of layout uh and just different terminology but you have your division which is the league that you're playing in and then you have your conference uh which is there's four conferences around the country um, and then you have your national title. So you, you play in through the division. Um, I don't know exactly how many teams. I think there's nine or ten or eight or nine in our division. So there'll be some teams we play home and away, and there'll be some teams we only play once. That makes sense. Um, so, yeah, I think there might be, yeah, six teams that we play home and away, and then a team that we only play at home, and then a team that we only play away from home. Um, so the, I think it's the top two from our division. Uh, and some divisions, they're allowing three to go, and some divisions, they're allowing two to go. So with our, uh, with our numbers, probably it should be three. I don't know what the reasoning is, but only two teams from our division will qualify to go then to playoffs. We talked about local players in the city and those who might go out and try out. And um, you know, it's like we have some good players in the city. We don't have high-level collegiate soccer for men. In the in the area and so now that you're on board as a coach where do you expect to be recruiting your players from for this first season yeah so the, the recruiting's already heavily underway and uh i mean basically uh the the nucleus of the of the the group is going to come from the best college teams around the country so we have a lot of players that are all americans all region players player of the year in their conference etc and everybody that we're bringing in, we feel is, has a, a chance to be a pro in the USL1, the USL Championship, or the MLS. So obviously we're going to help facilitate that. And in and, and the, the same time, we're going to be helping ourselves get a, a scope on the type of players that we could be signing as we go into the USL1. Um, as we go through this process, for example, last year I coached um, uh, Cybert Hogley from the Virginia Tech captain. Um, Kingsford Aji, uh, who's the University of Dayton captain, they're number one and number six in the prospects list. Uh, they're also going into the draft. I have from last year's team, or yeah, I think from 
from the last two seasons with the is I think there's about seven to ten players that are eligible in the MLS draft list right now. So, you know, those are the type of players that we're dealing with, uh, players at the highest end of college soccer. Um, you know, in Division One, in Division Two, and NEIE as well. Um, and then outside that, uh, we'll have probably a, a percentage of players don't get contracts um, that fall off the radar in the pros and they want another crack at the whip, so to speak, and and we can give them that other crack at the week, uh, the other crack at the whip. And then, um, yeah, there'll be, uh, there'll be some lads that don't get their professional contract renewed that want to keep playing soccer and the hope of getting another professional contract elsewhere, be that one Knoxville Championship, MLS, whatever it be. So, so yeah, there's yeah the college scope, and then there's the kids who are just out of college, and then there's the kids that will probably fall back down from the professional ranks, and hope they, you know, projecting themselves back into the pros. So you already have an eye on on recruiting, like you you already know some of the players that you expect to bring bring in. Lots, lots, and lots. We probably have about sixty to seventy players on the list right now. Okay, how many will be in the squad? It's going to vary from uh, point to point through the summer because obviously the dynamics of uh, colleges, you know, different people are sitting their exams, their finals uh, at different times. So there could be players coming in later. Uh, there's some players that may have to go back for summer school. Maybe there's uh, maybe there's players there that, uh, you know, through the season get recruited to sign pro contracts and leave us. So... The, yeah, the, the flow of players will be continuous from the start to the end. On average, we're looking to have two squads, a squad being 18. So we're looking to carry anywhere between uh, uh, 30 to 40 players at any given time. Is that common to have an A and a B team and to carry that, that size of a group? Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, most of the teams that are going into the, the playoff scenarios have players coming and going. Again, just because of the, the dynamics of the, the summer league with the, yeah, the college players have different things going on at different times and different requirements from different colleges. So, you know, if you only dealt with 25 players, for example, you could end up the season having 10 or 11 players because everybody's, you know, coming in late, going away early, blah, 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 you know. So there's, yeah. there's a lot of variables and there's a lot of changes. It's a changing environment that continues to change from start to finish. So... You know, uh, having a balanced squad from start to finish is massive uh, to, to try and win it. So trying to create that balance might be the hardest thing to be successful in the league, you know, to get a scope on and try to manage and balance the players that are coming in later, the players that are leaving earlier, etc. So, What can we expect when it comes to style of football? Um, and perhaps you can kind of preview for me how, how you typically like to set your teams up what style formations that you experiment with you know uh, something like that uh, yeah no I, yeah i probably wouldn't um i probably wouldn't give um my, my formations away publicly right now uh, i'll leave that for the coaches to figure out their point again <laughs> um but yeah I'm, I'm a i'm a footballing man brian uh i want the ball to be on the ground i want my team to have the ball as opposed to you know, my team's stopping our opponents. Our stamp is going to be trying to go to win the game with us having the dominance and the ball and the opportunities to win the game, as opposed to setting out to try and stop our opponents. My hope is that we can create an environment where our opponents are trying to stop us. 
and our focus will remain on us and trying to be the best version of us that we can possibly be, you know. Um, if there's a chance to win 1-0 or 4-3, I'll take the 4-3. Um, you know, I think fans want to see that. Um, I want my, my team to be scoring goals. We're going to go and press uh, to get the ball higher up the field. And obviously the perks of that uh, are you get the ball in areas where you can score more goals than your opponents. That's what we're going to try and do. Scoring goals, more goals than your opponents is what win games. Simple as that. So we're, we're going for it. Now, I also want to say that um, there, there's a million ways to win a football match and we're going to try and exhaust as many of those million ways as we possibly can. If we have to win where it's a direct option, then we'll use the direct option. The preference is obviously to play nice, flowing, sexy soccer, but we don't always have the opportunity to do that. So we won't be one-dimensional. We'll be very multi-dimensional in an environment that is constantly changing. You know, my theory is uh, a predictable environment is one that is easiest to defend. So we want to try and change that environment and create as much unpredictability for our opponents as possible. So, um, yeah, I want to I want to create different avenues to win. If that is from a set piece to score a goal, so be it. If it's from open play combinations, fast fast flowing football with a great finish, great, fantastic. But it doesn't have to be that way. What do you like about Knoxville? If you know if you know anything about Knoxville already, like what what do you like about this city? Where can we expect to see you if you, if you're going to be a man who's out in the community? You know where where will we run into you? Where will you yeah. be? So yeah, two part honestly, question. I honestly don't know. To be honest with you, the you know I, I don't have a, a a scope on the actual city of Knoxville. Um, I know obviously I've been in the mountains for you know last 17 years of my life. Before that, I was in Memphis. Before that, I was in Tyler, Texas. So I've had a little bit of everything. And from what I understand from talking to the people that have been to Knoxville, or lived in Knoxville, that it's it's a it's a city that maybe has a little bit of mixture of everything. You know, that has the the kind of rolling hills and the kind of mountainous areas. It has a kind of outdoorsy feel to it, but it also has the you know, the, the cultural city, the old city, the new city. So uh, I'm, I'm excited to get into the city and uh, learn more about it and, and obviously establish myself as a part of that culture. Um, but no, I'm excited to find out more about it. I, I don't have enough scope on it to tell you what my likes and dislikes are right now, but I, I'm sure there's going to be more likes and dislikes. And, you know, the, the, the crazy thing is everybody I speak to, I've never heard one person saying anything bad about Knoxville. Everybody has always had great things to say, great experience, whether they live there or they're visiting there. Everybody has had glowing things to say, number one, about the city itself, and number two, about the people within the city as well. As a, you know, from what I get, it's a very friendly Southern culture. Um, almost, it is a city, but it's not your Atlantis and your New Yorks, but it has a, maybe a little bit of a smaller city with a country vibe to it. Uh, so, yeah, I think it ticks all the boxes for me. You, you have some feel for the, the people who are in the city. Did you know any of the, the soccer heads that were already here? Do you know any of the, of the people who are involved in, in the game in Knoxville already? Yeah, not, not in the club environment, unfortunately. I do know the college environment, obviously, with Tusculum and Carson Newman being in uh, uh, Division Two. Uh, so I have a good scope in those programs uh, through the years. Um, I know the, the two coaches at Carson Newman, uh, Stephen Lyons, I know him very well. And 
And Simon Duffy, <laughs> the, the head coach at the women's program, was actually, he was my first assistant uh, here, really good friend of mine. We, uh, we played soccer against each other. He was my first assistant here at Young Harris. Um, so I've known him, yeah, for 20 years plus, I think. So it's, uh, yeah. And then Josh Scott, obviously. Josh is, I think, in the club environment. He was previously at ETSU as uh, an assistant coach as well. So I've known Josh for the best part of, goodness, 10, 12, 15 years. I don't know exactly how long, but uh, yeah, Josh is involved in club soccer. I think his kids play in the soccer environment there, as do Simon. Simon's kids play in the, in the soccer environment there as well. So I'm going to get to know that environment really, really quick because I think it's an important part of what we're going to try and do as a club. Um, I think the community outreach is going to be the, the biggest part of who we are. You know, I feel as though that we're, we're setting out in this journey to represent the community and not have the community represent us, so to speak, and just support us and just be one-way traffic. Um, you know, I'll, I'm a big believer in creating a family environment within my team, and I want to do that within the community as well. So I, I love the name, uh, One Knoxville. I think it's a little bit of who I am as a person, the teams that I have, and hopefully we can, uh, yeah, hopefully can, we can bleed that into the community and, and be one community. Based on what you know so far, do you think Knoxville is a is a soccer town, or can be a soccer town? Hundred percent, hundred percent. I think it already is, but I think that you know, with not having nothing at the high end of the pyramid, it has the base. But I'm hoping that, like I say, that Knoxville is the icing and the cake to the the community. You know, there's obviously a lot of youth soccer there. There's a lot of youth clubs there. A lot of potential there. And now with this kind of that the high end of the pyramid coming in, the base still exists. And, and like I say, maybe we have that um, we have that peak of the pyramid that's going to add a little bit of extra identity. Um, maybe it's uh, the peak of the pyramid that, that connects the bases together um, and, and it becomes more connected as a community in soccer. Again, I'd like to I'd like to think that all the clubs are going to support one Knoxville. That that would be my ambition is to have everybody. Um, support us and, and everybody being connected and involved, you know? What do you love about soccer, Mark? Like, what, what gets you excited about it? Like, what, what do you love about, about the game, just in, in, in general? Yeah, yeah, soccer is the, the pinnacle and the, the whole being in my life, you know? And obviously, when, when, you, when you have children, when you get married and have children, that then becomes your priority. But um, soccer's been my life since I've been able to walk, talk, breathe. I think my, my granny brought me a, bought me a soccer ball for my third birthday. And at that point, it became the biggest part of my life. And it's been the biggest part of my life all the way through my life. So I need it. Uh, like I say, I'm a football junkie. Um, you know, I, I enjoy the, the highs and the lows. Um, even losing, uh, you know, losing is, is motivation for me. Um, you know, it's, it's something that really drives me forward uh, to make sure that I fix it. Uh, it gives me something to chase. I'm always chasing something. Um, you know, when when I when I got the national championship ring, the week after it, it was irrelevant to me. It was it's gone. I want another one now. So the biggest thing in my life is the next one that's coming at me, and not the one that's gone previously. So. Um, I think it's a sport that allows you to evolve um, uh, mentally. You know, it keeps me engaged. My brain's always moving. I'm always learning. You're never standing still. You're always chasing something. I think socially, uh, you get involved in an environment uh, in a social capacity where you meet the best 
people in your life, you know, the, the closest uh, friends of mine um, for all my life are, are soccer guys. They're all within the sport. Um, you know, so it's not just the work, it's not just hobby, it's not just the sport that I watch, it's, it engulfs my whole life. Uh, then you have the health aspects of playing playing with it. You know, even as a coach, you're, you're kind of always on the go, you're always moving. So uh, it keeps you healthy, it keeps you on the go, it keeps your uh, brain engaged. And like I say, it's constantly evolving, constantly changing. And as a human being, you have to do that and keep yourself healthy as well. So, you know, um, I can't say that uh, it's it's yeah it's everything it's everything to me that was so cool hearing from mark that accent is so refreshing it's wonderful oh man uh how was it sitting on zoom with him it's weird you know being both a podcaster and a fan of this team because I feel like I'm invested in who the head coach is and I want him to be not only a great football mind but a great guy and Mark seems to be both of those things uh, his voice was amazing I got lost in it at times but not enough to miss some of those lines he said you know Listen to him talk about being uh, a football junkie, somebody who needs it in their life every single day, somebody who can, you know, remember the the soccer ball their grandmother got them when they were three years old. Like I, I have those same memories too. Uh, and so hearing it from Mark, I'm like, this is a guy who's coming in, and it's not just like, um, you know, let me just spend uh, a couple of months in the summer season getting some soccer in. Like this is a guy who's coming in super passionate, super knowledgeable, ready to. Take, I mean, he, he's shown it before. He's ready to take this team to the national championship game. So I, I was I was, And really to hear it from him of the appeal of it was not just, oh, another title, but he, he wants us, Knoxville, to be proud of our soccer here. He wants, he wants our kids, us, when they say, what's your, what's your favorite soccer team? It's one Knoxville. And who's your favorite player? And it's a one Knoxville player. Just to hear that passion of him wanting – wanting to, to pass the, you know, the beautiful game down generation to generation is just so cool. And definitely I can see how it just aligns with what the ownership team put together of, hey, this is a team of the city for the city. And here's a, here's a man that's going to do that for us. You know, Patty, I think a lot of the people listening to this are probably going to be in the same position we are. You know, I, I'm an Everton supporter. I'm a, I'm a Rosario Central supporter in Argentina. I watch soccer from all over the world. Uh, but these are not my, my hometown teams. You know, I can't go see them every weekend. Uh, I've had people tell me when I moved down to Tennessee back in 2011, um, you know, why don't you, you know, support uh, an MLS club that's near you? At the time, there was none. You know, then we got Nashville, Atlanta, uh, but they're still not our hometown mm -hmm. team. And so to hear Mark kind of express those same concerns that a lot of us have, like, well, where are our kids going to go on weekends to watch games? Where will we have that supporter culture? Where will we go to sing songs together? Um, you know, and not just watch games on TV. Like Mark knows that, and he's coming here to give Knoxville, to give the city, to give its residents uh, an opportunity to enjoy like, world-class soccer uh, in in basically our, our backyards. Myself being an NYC FC fan and going down to Atlanta and watching them against Atlanta FC was a lot of fun, but to have that in our backyard, to have the stadium eventually in the old city where we can go and have our have our seats that we've had from day one and to chant the chants and cheer on the team 
yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be awesome, and so looking forward to Mark kind of establishing that and getting us getting us off on the right foot. Really cool for the ownership to team team to bring in, the, uh, uh, you know, a coach of that presence that knows what needs to happen one to win, but also to have that passion to uh, to build that fan base to build that culture. In a way, it's like one Knoxville has hit the jackpot here. Very uh, much be- so, yeah, because. You know, I, I don't want to underemphasize how good of a coach Mark is. Like, you're talking about a guy who is coaching at the Division II level in the NCAA and and has one of the best teams in the country that, that he's built. You know, he, do, he does the recruiting for this team. He coaches them on the field. Um, you know, you can you can read it in my article, which I wrote uh, over, at, over at Substack as the One Knox Chronicler. But, you know, this is a guy who has an 81% winning percentage at the college level. This is a guy who in two seasons in USL League 2 with the Des Moines Menace lost three games. I mean, lazy. Yeah, like <laughs> this is a guy who who does not really lose, you know? And as and, a as a Vol fan and as an Arsenal fan, that's going to be such a breath of fresh air. <laughs> it's it's going to be real different, I, I think, comparing how one Knoxville performs versus versus how some of our Tennessee sports teams perform. Hopefully, this will be uh, you know, like the 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 yin and yang, like it'll be that that uh, imagining of ourselves if we were happy during football right. season, that could be us during soccer but it, season. But it'll be like Atlanta, where Atlanta United they broke the curse, and you know all the other sports benefited from it. So that's gonna that's gonna happen. Yeah. So um, I'm I'm excited for us to continue to chat with Mark throughout the season, hear from him on on how the team's doing, get more information from him about how he expects to play. I know he's not gonna give away much; he doesn't want to. Uh, but uh, the thing that that excites me is hearing him say he's not interested in winning game one zero he's not parking the bus he's not going jose Mourinho on us like this is a guy who is wanting to win games four three he's wanting to score goals and and i want you know i, I still have bad memories of that tennessee florida game where we scored like six points or something <laughs> whatever it was like mark mckee was coming in here to score six goals like we're gonna see goals every time we go out to see this team and that is exhilarating Uh, Let us know what you're enjoying, what you're not enjoying, what we need to cover next. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram, and uh, we'll see you in the next one. Hasta luego.